Well, it's wonderful to see such a great, beautiful crowd of ladies here. Great job, Pastor Hope, you've done awesome. You're amazing, really. And so it's only going to grow, amen? amen? There's something about when you get the girls by themselves and the guys by themselves, sometimes it's like they let their guard down a little more, amen? And, and the Lord can touch people. The Lord can touch you anyways, but you know what? Sometimes you just have to create an atmosphere where people just feel comfortable and relax and let the Lord touch them, amen? You know, um, it was, it was kind of cool because she kind of pinched some of my scriptures. You know what pinched means, right? Stole. No, just kidding. <clears throat> I was really, you know, this was like kind of the hardest thing to prepare for because it's like one meeting and I'm like, Lord, you know what? I can go off. I can preach for three hours if I need to, but <laughs> I'm not really. I would definitely take a pee break, but <laughs> I can say that. That was like the mildest of what's been said already here this weekend, I'm sure. <clears throat> it's like, TMI, TMI, TMI. Okay, anyway. <laughs> We're all friends here, right? Anyways, but yeah, I, you know, because you don't want to just, I just wanted to just say what the Lord wanted me to say for this one meeting. But it, it's going to all dovetail in because you dealt with, with fear and I, I listened to part of yours, not the whole thing, but what was your theme? Words. Yeah, I mean, that is so important, right? So important. Words, putting a God on our lips my, listen, my prayer, it was amazing because right before um, COVID even started, or well, the lockdown, I should say, um, the Lord laid on my heart, just wake up every single morning and, um, and just pray, Lord, this is the day you have made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. And you know what? That carried me through the whole thing because I got an immediate attitude adjustment in the morning. How many of you know sometimes... You know, a lot of people in the world, I remember my dad smoked, so the first thing he would reach for was a cigarette, right? Some people, first thing they do, they wake up, I need my coffee. Well, the first thing we need to do is wake up and get an attitude adjustment, amen? <laughs> but I focus on the Lord. Thank you, Lord, this is the day you have made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. No matter what's going on in the world, no matter what's going on in my life, in my family, in my finances, anything else, Lord, this is the day you have made. I will rejoice in it. Hallelujah. Salvation, Jesus said, is today, not tomorrow. We're not waiting Today, we can appropriate it today. God's given it to us today. I love using the example of when the Lord speaks about healing. And in the Old Testament, Isaiah 53, he says, you, you are healed. And what does he say in the New Testament? You were healed. So as far as God is concerned, everything that you need from him is in the past tense. And it was already done and accomplished on the cross of Calvary in his death, his burial, and his resurrection. Hallelujah. Because he's not still on the cross. He rose again because he rose. We have life. We, because he rose, we have everything that was promised from Genesis chapter one, hallelujah. And it all, it all hit there. You know what? <laughs> it's, it, I, 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 you know, listen, never, never give up on someone. Keep praying. If there's someone that you believe in God to get saved, just keep praying, keep giving to the Lord. Don't worry over them. Pray and give it to the Lord. Cast your care on the Lord and don't pick it up again. That's our problem. We cast the care and we pick it up again. But you know what? I, I felt like the day that I got saved, I felt like every prayer everybody ever prayed for me hit all at once. And you've seen some people like that, right? You just look at them and you think, wow. I mean, it's like some people get saved and then they make a very slow start into the things of God. And some people, it's like they go from here to here. 
And it's almost like every, especially like the really bad people that everybody was praying for or something, you know, or people really been through stuff in their life. It's like all those prayers kind of hit at once when they, when they do get saved. So the, God's power, His presence, His promises are all available and just waiting to be poured out on you. I mean, the Lord says that He is His eyes run across the earth, to and fro across the earth, looking for someone in whose behalf He can show Himself strong. He's looking for someone who will believe Him. He's looking for somebody that will trust Him. He's looking for someone that will take Him at His word. I mean, the Bible says in Hebrews that God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. Amen. The Bible says in, that, in Hebrews 11, it starts off saying, we must, anyone who comes to God must believe that he is, right? Is what? Is everything he said that he is. Everything he is in his word. And then that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. In other words, seek him and don't give up. Don't stop seeking him. Keep on seeking. Keep on pressing until, until you get what you, what you need from him. Amen. And if it's, if it's here, then it's yours. There's a lot of people that are like, oh, come pray for me. Pray, blah, 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 pray, I need this, I need that. Well, what scripture are you standing on? Um, how can you pray if you don't, how can you ask God for something you don't even know is in his word? You have to, you need a scripture for every situation. Amen. How many of you have been at that place where, Lord, I just need a word from you? I have. I just need to hear from you. I just need something to hold on to especially when you feel like your whole world is falling apart. Like when my daughter was born diagnosed with cystic fibrosis, it felt like, it feels like your whole, and they tell, told me she's only gonna live for four years. It felt like my world, my world was falling apart. Well, it didn't catch me unawares because the entire time through my pregnancy, I knew something was wrong. I just knew, I didn't know what, and I would not verbalize it, words, right? I, wouldn't, I would not say it out loud. I wouldn't say, I wouldn't speak my fear. I refused to speak my fear. I'd rather put a God on my lip my lips. Amen. If I'm going to speak, it's going to be faith. Hallelujah. And so, and you know, there's nothing wrong with coming to someone, asking them, just tell them what you're going through, asking them to pray for you. But you know, if you keep on speaking, speaking, speaking death, that's what you're going to have. You got to speak life. Amen. You got to change your confession around. Hallelujah. I don't care what you're going through. I don't care, I don't care how bad your husband is. I don't care what a reprobate is or what a mess your kids are in. Stop speaking that over them and start speaking life. Thank you, Father. My children love your word. Thank you that they love you. Thank you that they, they, they heart is, their desire is to serve you. Amen. And so, uh, so I knew something was wrong. The day she was born, she looked fine. The next day, she, she blew up like a little football with arms and legs. It was meconium ileus, which is the sticky mucus because cystic fibrosis is the most common inherited disease. And I wasn't even going to talk about this. I don't know why I'm talking about it. It's the most common inherited disease. One in 20, 25 people carry it, Caucasians. And it's one in th a chance of uh, one in 300 of a couple marrying that both carry it. And then every child you have is a one in four chance of having cystic fibrosis. And that was us. And that's the first time I ever heard of cystic fibrosis in my life. And so when we heard that diagnosis, this was like, wow, Lord, this is where the rubber meets the road because we need to get our child healed or she's going to die. So, you know, I've heard all these sermons about healing, but now I've, it has to become real to me. So it's one thing to hear or hear about it, but it has to become real to, to, to me in that situation. It has to become real to you in whatever situation that you're in. Amen. And so God gave me a word on the day he was born, actually before I knew she was diagnosed, but on the day she was born, because I had this feeling, when I looked at her, she looked fine, right? She looked fine on the outside, so I thought, well, I worry if, 
well, not that I was worried, but I, was, I still couldn't understand why I had this feeling. And, I was, and so I was, you know, praying. I opened my Bible and it opened three different times. I wasn't playing Bible roulette, but three different times it, my eye fell on a scripture that had something to do with I formed the baby. God formed the baby. I made the baby. Uh, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, you know. And uh, so, and I, I closed the Bible and I said, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? He said, I've made her perfect. I said, okay. So all the Baptists go, yeah, she's perfect in her sickness and disease. I rebuke you in Jesus' name. Sorry. Sorry to pick on the Baptists. All the, the let, me, let, me, let me, okay, I'll take that back. Not the Baptists, all the unbelieving people. It's like, don't you speak that over. <laughs> And you dare open your mouth and say that. That's why it's better not to tell some people your, your problems because they're just gonna be talking rubbish over you. You know, the only people you wanna go and share things with because you, you need to, the Bible says carry, we need to bear one another's burden. So it's, sometimes we need to share with somebody. We need to unload on someone, so, but somebody that can speak life into you. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Sometimes all you, all, the only one you have to go to is God. I mean, there's been many times I've gone to the Lord and I said, Lord, I have a really bad attitude right now. I need your help. <laughs> I mean, you can put both hands up and both feet. <laughs> if we can be real with anybody, we can be real with him, right? And so, you know, the fact that sickness is perfection is not gospel. That is not, sickness is not perfection. Sickness came out of sin and the fall, amen. And it comes straight from the pit of hell. And, uh, and then once, you know, once when she, her little tummy swelled up like that, we realized there was a blockage. So we had a, we in this little country hospital, we had to drive three hours down to a, to a bigger hospital. They did a barrier enema, told us could be one of five things. CF sounded like the nicest one, frankly. All the rest was like completely messed up insides that, you know, colostomy bags, all that stuff and operations. Anyways, but I think they knew, they just didn't tell us. So they said, look, we, we can do the operation here, but they better follow up at Red Cross Children's Hospital, Cape Town. There was, because we were in East London. So we, they flew her, they flew her to Cape Town. Um, and we had to go home, preach, to our, back to our church, three hours back to our church, preach, change clothes. Um, you know, and I just had a baby and, you know, sit, still, sitting on the ring thing and, and, <laughs> and you're, sorry, but you're, my, none of my clothes fit because everything's out to here because you, you know, it, you want to feed the baby and there's no baby to feed. So my husband, my nickname was Donnie growing up. So when I was in third grade, I'm like, no, yeah, third grade. Like, my name is not Donnie, it's a Donica, but my family still calls me that. He was calling me Donnie Parton. <laughs> I was like, I just had a baby. My hormones are upside down. My baby's far away from me. Everything hurts. <laughs> I may just hurt you right now. <laughs> he thought it was hilarious. Jeez. I don't know what happened to me. It's like truth serum. <laughs> Telling everything. Just kidding. <laughs> and it's going over the internet. Oh, that's so nice. Anyway. <laughs> so, oh gosh. Anyway. But the Lord started in the middle of this, and the diagnosis, they told you that they operated on her. I said, it's definitely CF. They did the sweat test because they have ex 
secrete excess salt in their sweat. Now they can do genetic tests. Then they couldn't. And they said to me, she'll only live till four. And I'm like, nope. I know she's going to live longer than four. And, uh, and uh, so anyways, they, they thought we were in denial. And I'm like, whatever. I mean, faith, not denial. I'm, I'm going on the word of God that I hear. Amen. Hallelujah. Because my, my head's doing flip-flops, right? But I had the peace of God in my heart. And that's when he expounded to me what he said. He said, I have made it perfect. He said, I renamed Abram, Abraham, and I called him a father of many nations when it was impossible for he and his wife to have kids. Amen. And God stretched it out to where it was even more impossible to where, you know, because at one point, okay, she was barren, right? And then he was still able to have kids. He had Ishmael, which was a total disaster. But anyways, that's what happened when you get in the flesh instead of trusting God. Amen. And, uh, and so, you know, by that time, he was old himself. So they were both really, really old. And that's when the Lord did it. Now, part of it, I believe, was because God took 25 years to build his faith so strong that he knew, 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 that he knew that God's promise was gonna come through that child, Isaac. And so by the time that child was born and then when God said, sacrifice him, he did not hesitate. The Bible tells us that he expected that he would kill him and God would raise him up from the ashes. That was his, that's how strong his faith is. Amen. So when you're going through something that's difficult and something that's hard and something that's pushing you to the edge, to the end, and you complaining because why, why hasn't God come through? Listen, it is in the standing. It is in the trusting. It is in the pressing in. Hallelujah. Adalis was sharing how she had to go and get in the Word and have that breakthrough. You, know, you look at, we were, I was listening to, my husband was playing something by Smith Wigglesworth. With it. I think somebody took his book and did an audio. And um, he was talking about how he suffered from appendicitis. I guess his appendix burst. You know what happens when your appendix burst? You die. And nobody can save you. And he was dying. And an old lady and a young man came and visited him and laid hands on him and cast that devil out. Of devil of sickness and disease. And he was instantly healed. I mean, Oral Roberts had tuberculosis. Brother Hagen nearly died of his heart problem and his blood disease. And they, it, but it was that they overcame. They grabbed a hold of the Word. And God came through for them. Amen. And they had a testimony that they could stand on and of the grace of God. I mean, some of it is because people were just running away from God like Oral Roberts and God turned him around. Hallelujah. But they knew that they knew that they knew that God had his hand on them, that he had healed them and that he had called them. Amen. And they never forgot that the whole of their life. So the hard things you go through will grow character if you will press into the word. If you don't, it's going to grow whining grumpiness, bitterness. And there's a lot of people that are living in bitterness and anger about stuff that's happened in their life and stuff they blame other people for and stuff they blame God for. Yes. Okay, well, first of all, God is not the author of all the crappy things in your life. He's not the author of sickness and disease, and, but we live on, we're still living on this earth. Hello, we're not in heaven yet. There's a devil out here who's, as we heard, walking around looking for people that he can take out. And so we don't want to give him that opportunity, but that's who we're fighting. We're not fighting God. God's on our side. We're fighting an enemy that comes to, to you know, he, he doesn't care. He's going to come. Listen, there's only two times the devil will attack you, right? When you're doing something wrong and when you're doing something right. 
Now you can open the door through sin and disobedience, right? What does the Bible say? It says, I, I, God said, I put, it's on record today, God said, before heaven and earth, that I'm putting before you life and death, blessings and cursings. Therefore, choose life. That's a multiple choice test with the answer that's given to you. Isn't that great? <laughs> Therefore, choose life. So God tells us choose life. So who gets to choose? We choose. We choose life or we choose death. Now listen, there's things that happen to us that other people did to us. That was someone else's choice to hurt us, to do things to us. But we don't have to live with that mess Amen. We don't have to live with bitterness and unforgiveness and, and, and the, the scarring of that. God can heal it. Listen, we just had a youth conference. It was, oh my gosh, youth and kids fire week. And we, we've had this testimony before, but again, it always, you know, it, how, how many times can you hear testimonies from different people and it makes you cry just the same for each new, each new person that you hear? And kids went into the water that were cutting and hurting themselves, came out. God took the scars away. So God is in the business of taking the outside scars away and the inside scars as well. Amen. Hallelujah. You know, I, have you heard of Caroline Leaf? Okay, everybody needs to read her, everybody needs to read her book, Christian, non-Christian. Who switched off my brain? You need to read it. And it's, it's very, very good. It comes from, because she comes from a gospel. Actually, because she, she sells a, um, an actual um, DVD series with it. And she's, she's on the DVD, there's much more scripture. Scripture after scripture after scripture after scripture. The book, she puts some in, but not, but so that's why you can give it to anybody. It'll help an unsaved person, maybe lead them to Jesus as well. But um, so she attacks that from like the mind viewpoint, but because she's a Christian, she understands, she understands the spiritual aspect of it. So she brings that in as well, because you can't just do the one without the other. Every problem is a spirit problem. You've got to deal with that first. Amen. And then we were talking to, there's another lady that she, she, um, she's a, She's a scientist, and she helps people um, fix their body with frequencies, right? So, which is not weird and out there. Light is a frequency. Everything, everything in this world is a light frequency. God said, let there be light. There was no sun, there was no moon, but there was light. How is that possible? It's a frequency, and there's good frequencies and bad frequencies. Microwaves, radio, this stuff, this is a bad frequency. Amen? I mean, how many of you ever heard of like a, an infrared sauna? Okay, so there's a light frequency, so you can be treated with frequencies. And she was talking about how she can, she can heal you, people's bodies through frequencies, but it's organs, organs, different organs in your body are related to different emotions. And so, Caroline Leaf talks about those, those cycles of stress that produce inflammation and sickness and disease. And a lot of our, most of our problem in our life is our thoughts, it's our brain, it's our mind, it's our emotions, it's the things that we allow. It's those strongholds. You know, when I was first born again, I, I <laughs> probably prayed this prayer more than anything with the scripture. Lord, I cast down every vain imagination, every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. I bring to captivity every thought unto the obedience of Christ Jesus. Right? Because we're ladies and men can compartmentalize, but we have this one big bucket of all stuff. Everything in our life is in this one bucket and it can be very confusing. We have to, that's why our husbands need to sit patiently and listen to us while we talk because we have to unpack our bucket, right? <laughs> so that we can sort it all out and then, then we can t make it tidy and put it back in again, right? And then we don't walk around, oh, with this heavy whatever. <laughs> so, so anyways, so she, the, the, um, 
you know, is it the organ that affects the emotion or the emotion that affects the organ? Um, we don't know, right? So, but just fix them all, right? Eat healthy, do everything you have to do. But the biggest thing you can do is like fix here. But the thing, the thing she was telling us, she was talking about how, um, how she's treated people and it's like they can remember the bad things that happened to them but the emotions are not attached to it and I said you know what that is amazing because I've and even some of the stuff Caroline Leaf says I've seen that happen in the floor but it took only like a few minutes that one one night on the floor and God did it in stuff that could take you know hours and hours and hours and hours of doing it any other way amen and because God comes and he gives you like a reset spirit soul and body so we've had people that were Things like raped. One one woman was was raped. She was a virgin, raped by a guy that she thought she could trust, right? And uh, and he took advantage of her. Gave her two venereal venereal diseases. Some Christian guy. Anyways, watch out for those um, that pretend to be. Anyways, and gave her two two venereal diseases, the worst that the doctor had ever seen. So she, you feel like your life is over. Who's going to marry you with two venereal diseases? You've been raped, you're carrying the... Because, you know, it's like someone else does it to you and you're carrying all that guilt and condemnation and mess. That's, that's rubbish. God. And Jesus said, no, not, absolutely not. So she's in our meetings this is Fargo, North Dakota, about probably 1992-ish. And um, the, the power of God hit her and she was on the floor, first wept and wept and wept. And then later, I remember seeing her there just laughing and laughing and laughing. And uh, five years later, we heard a testimony and she told us, because we didn't know then what her testimony was, but she told us about the rape and the venereal disease. And she said, I felt like, first I was weeping, but then I began to be filled with the joy. She said, I felt like there was like a fire hose going up and down my body. And, and I was completely cleaned out. And when I got up from the floor, I could remember what happened, but it's like it happened to somebody else. Amen. And so God wants to wipe that out so that it's like it happened to somebody else. That, that the emotions and the pain and the, or because there's people that live with stuff their whole life and they end up like small and wizened and all dried up like an old prune because they're so, you know, the Bible says that, that joy is a thing that gives um, health and strength to your bones. Amen. So God wants to fill us with his joy, unspeakable and full of glory and give us peace that passes understanding. What does that mean? It means there's no reason why I should have peace because everything in my life is a mess and yet I have peace. It doesn't make sense because in the world, peace is dependent on circumstances. Happiness is dependent on circumstances. Amen. Everything's dependent on how someone else makes us feel. Amen. But this is, this is about God filling us up touching all those places in our life, healing them, delivering us, rooting all that garbage out of us, and us coming to that place of, of just a joy unspeakable, a peace that passes understanding. And when our daughter passed away at the age of 18, how did we make our way through that? I put my heart in God's hands, I said, and I said, Lord, lead me through. I'm gonna feel every emotion, I don't care. I'm gonna cry, I'm gonna laugh. I'm gonna, if I feel like crying, I'm gonna cry. If I feel like laughing, I'm gonna laugh. But you're gonna bring me through this. And you're going to bring me to the other side because I'm not going to get stuck in denial or anger or bitterness or weeping or grief or I'm not getting, I'm coming out the other side with joy and I'm going to occupy till you come and we're going to win souls and we're going to keep doing what we're doing. Amen. Because she was our fight. When she was born, 
we, we didn't, you know, the joy broke out, the revival with the joy and everything that happened, happened in 89. And it wasn't because my husband's very funny, because he is, but it was, a, it was a move, an absolute move of God. I mean, people weren't just laughing. Some people were crying. Some people were shaking. People fell out under the power, got stuck on the floor, couldn't speak in English. One lady couldn't speak in English for two weeks, and she wasn't a goofball. She, was, she and her husband were business people that owned jewelry stores. She was a very respected lady. Two weeks, could not speak in tongues. I mean, couldn't speak in English, only in tongues. And the, night, the day she got hit, she got hit in the morning, and she, by the night she could crawl to, all she could do is she, couldn't, she didn't go pick up her kids. She didn't make dinner. She just crawled to the back and sat through the, through the night service, everybody around her was getting hit. The pastor told my husband, we need to take her back to her house because her husband's not going to be too happy. And my husband's like, no, I'm not doing that. He said, yes, you are. You did this to her. So they, <laughs> so they, <laughs> they, they took her to her house, to her husband to try. Oh, I'm so sorry. But the Lord touched your wife. You know, what are you going to say? Sorry. Anyway, she walked. She walked in the door, he took one look at her and he fell on the floor speaking in tongues and he didn't even come to church and I don't even think he was saved. Anyway, so we saw some, some God do amazing things, right? And so, uh, and so anyways, um, why was I telling you that? I was telling you, huh? I know, I was gonna tell you something before revival. Oh yes, Kelly was our fight. So before revival, we just basically, we would preach, uh, do the altar call, always got to get people saved, right? And then pray for people for healing and whatever else, you know, whatever, whatever they needed. And so, but when, when uh, and it, so when she was born, it's like we could have backed off of all of that and gone, well, well oh, my, my child is CF. Um, oh gosh, that's terrible. I mean, we were looking for the sin in our life. Everybody else was too. Everybody's, we were judging ourselves, everybody else was judging. And, you know, that set me free when I, when I, when the Lord said, you know, there are only two times the devil will attack you when you're doing something wrong and you're doing something right. If you've done something wrong, go put your sackcloth and ashes on, fall on your face, repent. Let God clean you out. If your heart doesn't condemn you, you have peace before God. Let God, you know, fully lay it out for him and then get up forgiven and tell the devil, get out of my face. And when the devil says, well, remember when you did that? Yes, I did. I'm a big mess. But you know what? He forgave me. So I pick myself up and I'm not living in the mess that I was, but I pick myself up and I'm going to move forward and be who he's called me to do and walk in what he's called me to walk in and see myself in through his eyes, not through my own or anybody else's. Amen. Hallelujah. And so we said, we are not. So we had to deal with that, right? And we did. But the Lord said to us, anyway, so we said, look, Lord, we are going to, carry, we're going to preach healing even harder. We're going to preach healing even harder. We're not going to back off. We're going to pre- and she was our fight. Devil, you touch our kid. We're going to book another meeting. We're going <laughs> to, my husband about wore himself out, booking another meeting. Because <laughs> you do have to sleep and rest in the natural, but he just pushes and, you know, he's, he, he goes on sheer force of will, that guy. He'll, he'll, he'll completely ignore how he's feeling and go on sheer force. I'm like, I got to stop the world. I got to get off. <laughs> I have to pace myself. And I know that. But so thankfully he's gracious and he lets me pace myself. But anyways, Last few weeks have been a bit crazy, but I'm still going. <laughs> anyway, so <laughs> so we, we, we just made her our fight. Devil, you touch her, we're going to do more for God. And so always push back on the devil like that. Never let, because that's what he wants. He wants to shut your, your voice, right? He wants to shut off your ministry. He wants to shut off, uh, you know, 
your, your witness for the Lord and don't let the devil say, devil, you, you touch me, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to hurt you. <laughs> Kelly, when she was little, I, I just want to stomp on the devil. I'm just going to kick him. I'm just going to hurt him. So I said to him, well, baby, you know, we can't physically take on the devil, right? And I, but I said, if you want to hurt him, this is how we're going to hurt him. We're going to get people saved. We're going to get people healed. We're going to get people delivered. We're going to love people. Amen. The devil hates, the devil can't handle an atmosphere of the love of God. He can't handle it. I remember we had a, my dad had a Portuguese mechanic that, uh, this is in South Africa, this tiny guy like full of the devil. He was angry, so angry all the time. And uh, so his wife had gotten saved and he wouldn't come to church for the longest time. And finally he came to church. So he comes to the service. His wife was at home and he walks in and, and um, he sits down and he came in, the worship was already going, and it was amazing because the worship leader immediately, the moment he walked in, the devils, I mean, the, the worship leader started taking authority over the devil. It's like he felt him walk in the door. And it's like about 600, 700 people there. And it was when our church, I, I got saved in a revival. They started with 12 people. Three months later, when we got saved there, there was about 200 people. Three months later, there was about 800 people. It just exploded, went to like 5,000, 6,000 in like two years. And, um, Anyways, um, so he, they, they, we, we would always sing this song at the end. Oh, I love you with the love of the Lord. Yes, I love you with the love of the Lord. I can see in you the glory of my King. And I love you with the love of the Lord. How many of you have heard that song? Anyway. Or, or something better rendition of it than that. But anyways, um, but we would go around and like just, you know, hug people. And the moment the love of God started flowing in the congregation, because see, that's where the unity is and that's where the strength is. Look at all the scriptures in the book of Acts. They were in, they were in one accord. They were in one accord. They were in one accord. That's so important. And the only thing that brings us together is the love of God by the Holy Spirit. And that's why we need the Holy Spirit. And so people who say, who just, you know, say mean, ugly things about the Holy Spirit and that, you know, that's the devil and all that kind of stuff, they're missing out on everything that he has to offer. They're blaspheming him, which the Bible says will never be forgiven. I think that's, that's pretty rough, but that's what the Bible says. If we, if we diss the Holy Spirit, it'll never be forgiven. We can say ugly things about Jesus, we can get forgiven, but not about the Holy Spirit. But anyway, just that's an aside. So the moment the love of God started, Man, you know, in manifestation in the place, this, the devils could not stay in this guy. I mean, he gave the most blood-curdling scream. But what was crazy, normally he would lie, he'd get like lash out when the devils would take him over, he'd lash out. He went like stiff as a board. And he could, he's totally stiff as a board and couldn't move. And uh, they carried him out like he was on a stretcher and <laughs> cast the devil out of the guy. And his wife was at home and every window in her house started rattling. Listen, the devil left him and her house. <laughs> Amen. But it was in the presence of that love of God. The love of God is powerful. So, you know, I've, I've watched people try to cast devils out and they come, like, listen, that, that's not how. You, you, come, you stand there with the, the love of God for the person. You hate the devil. You hate the sickness. You hate the disease. But you love the person. You have compassion on the person. I mean, I watched some of those people casting devils out. They're about like bash the person around and brutalize them. We're trying to get the person to live it, not beat him up. It's the devil you got to beat up and you can't beat him up physically. Oh, anyway, 
And uh, so, but, you, but the love of God. Listen, I used to think that when, like, if, if I love, like, the, the message that changed my life was the message on love when I was in Bible school. And um, I used to think, if I love, I'm going to get hurt. But you know what? When you love with the love of God, you know, nobody can hurt you. In ministry, like, the, the biggest challenge ministers have is not to get to grow that, like, a thick outer skin and a callus. I mean, I remember when I was a kid, okay, so we grew up in Africa, so we had, you know, long, long summers, short winters, and we never wore shoes. And so my feet looked like little African feet, right? Anyways, whatever those are, looked like a little kid who didn't wear shoes. We did to school. I did to school in the winter, but we, no, we, we never wore shoes. We didn't need shoes. We were always outside playing, you know, whatever. And uh, who needs shoes? And so <laughs> I remember going to a birthday party of this little Jewish princess. And uh, anyways, and I remember looking at and she had the most perfect little pink feet, like she had never not been in shoes. And I was like really jealous. <laughs> but you know what? She wouldn't have been able to. We used to go to the store, the corner store with the rocks and the glass and everything with bare feet. Anyways, but, but we can't let our heart get callous like that. We always have to keep that soft heart. And so you have to be more like a turtle, right? So you, well, actually turtles have a hard tummy too, but, or maybe like a, those little armadillos that lock, roll themselves in balls. Um, but to have it like a tough outside so that, you know, don't take the praise and don't take the criticism. Just give it all to Jesus. Like if you're going to criticize me for something that I'm doing, that's your problem. Go talk to Jesus. I'm just doing what he told me to do. Amen. Amen. If you know you're just doing what the Lord told you to do, you don't worry about what people criticize. Now, if, you, if you're doing your own thing, you've got to defend it. But if you're doing what God has told you to do, you don't need to defend it. He'll defend you. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. Every time that rises against you in judgment, you will show to be wrong. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. God will vindicate you. There's been many times we were lied about, and God said, just keep your mouth shut. I will vindicate you. Amen. And so we have to keep that, that soft front of compassion, love, being patient with people. Yes, you're going to cry. You need long-suffering. You need compassion. You're going to cry over some things. I'm not talking about crying, oh, they hurt me, you know, but, but you, you need to have that soft, you need to be able to cry. If you can't cry, hey, some things wrong, probably. Anyway, um, <laughs> but because, I, listen, I know because when I grew up, I refused to cry. I wouldn't cry. You're not going to make me cry. You're not going to make me cry. My brother and I, we would beat each other up. I put his mum through a glass door once and he put mine through one. Nothing, we didn't injure ourselves. It was, it was, just, <laughs> it was, a, it was a pain about that big, like three by three, I don't know, whatever. And uh, anyway, so we would wrestle and fight. We, we played together and then we'd fight. And uh, so in my house, you always, you just walked away and cooled off. You didn't ever apologize. So then I got married and I had to apologize. That was the hardest thing. And then we'd have, be in the middle of an argument, right? Now, I'll sort myself out, but I need a moment. <laughs> he can turn on a dime. He can go from, wah, 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 to, oh, come here, baby, I'm so sorry. I'm like, I haven't even started yet. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't even said 
what I need to say. Never mind. Come here. I'm so sorry. It's all over now. <laughs> I haven't even begun. <laughs> how can it be over so fast? And I, I could not understand that. There was like the whole, that was not how I was raised, right? So you could be raised in the same culture and still have culture shock when you get married because you're, <laughs> you're just so different. And <laughs> but the two people that changed my life the most was Jesus and my husband because they unconditionally loved me. And yes, I had to swallow my pride and learn to say, I'm sorry. And it felt good when I did, but it was so hard to get there in the beginning. Oh, it's like, I'm <laughs> sorry. <laughs> because I feel like you have to mean it, right? So I wanted to mean it, not just say it and I did it. But sometimes, like they say, if you're feeling bad, smile, and that already makes you feel better. So, you know, sometimes you just say I'm sorry and then you start feeling sorry. So, and then you come back 10 minutes later and say, no, now I'm really sorry. <laughs> I mean, I mean it this time. <laughs> Last night was my faith. Anyway. <laughs> but how do you have, you know, we're just humans and we're all a work in progress, right? When we see him, we'll be like him. Until then, we're a work in progress. So don't be too hard on yourself, but as long as you're making progress, as long as your heart is open, as long as you'll receive correction from the Lord, amen. And, you know, but the, Jesus changed my life, my husband, because I thought of God as a very judgmental God, just because that was how my dad was, and that's what I internalized, right? Because that's what our kids will internalize, the way we treat them is how they will see the Lord. And so, and that's a very big responsibility, and the Lord told me that at some point, you're going to forgive your dad for that so you don't repeat his mistakes. Amen. So just remember that. If you need to forgive your mom. You need to forgive your dad. You need to forgive people so you don't end up repeating their mistakes. Yes, we don't have to be like them. We can, we can, when we make a new family, it's a new family. Uh, we don't have to. We can bring the good things from our past, and we can leave the bad things behind. Amen. But we need to have some grace on our parents. We need to forgive them. We need to understand. And the Lord showed me, you know, and I, I forgave my dad. I released him. He, you know, he, his dad died when he was nine. He just, you know, he went through some rough things. And that marked him, and that ended up marking me, but it, it didn't have to mark me for the rest of my life. I didn't have to carry the sins of my father, you know what I mean, or my grandmother or my grandfather. I did not have to carry that into my life. And the Lord showed me that when we came to America, he actually showed me a picture, like a child's picture of our family, you know, like the little house, the little tree, the little family, the little stick family. And then he showed me, it was like a framed picture that was drawn by a kid, and then it was like a, a rainbow cut out of it, but there was no rainbow there, it was just cut out. And I saw these people above it, they were just like random people, and the Lord said to me, um, you know, I've, I've broken that whatever generational anything is broken, you, I've set you apart as a family. I've pulled you apart. I've set you apart. And none of that is your portion. Amen. Amen. So none of that, none of the past, none of the sins of your relatives is your portion. Whatever has come down in the DNA, God will clean out even your DNA. Amen. Hallelujah. You know, the scripture that, you know, your, the theme is beloved. And the, the, the word in... in uh, in the New Testament, beloved, is actually agapetos, which comes from agape, which is God's kind of love, right? So you have many words for love in the Greek. You have many words for many things in the Greek. And in English, it's just translated into one word. And so we don't always get the context. You know, like, like when it talks about um, others and others in the one place, it's like, like another gospel and another gospel. It's like 
another of the same kind and another of a different kind. In the Greek, because Greek is very, very specific, and that's why, that's why the Lord, I believe, wrote the New Testament in Greek, because it's very, very specific. And because um, God is very, very specific. And every scripture, amen, is real, and every scripture is to be lived by, amen. And some of it's here to show us, listen, all these people in the Bible, none of them were perfect. And the Bible shows us their imperfections, but he also shows himself strong through their lives and how they allowed God to use them. And that's the story. Not that they were perfect, but that they allowed God to use them. Amen. And so be encouraged. You don't have to be perfect for God to use you. You just have to let God use you and be available for him to use you. So there's, there's words for love like phileo. So that means like friendship. So because you're you like me and I like you and you're nice to me and I'm nice to you, we're friends. So it's based on what somebody else does for us or to us. But a lot of us live our lives like that. And, you know, let me share this scripture with you. But in Genesis 3.16, you know, it talks about how when talking to Eve after, you know, with the curse after they, they messed up, he said, um, you know, your sorrow will be multiplied and even in your, your childbearing and sorrow you'll bring forth children, your desire will be to your husband and he will rule over you. Why did God have to say that? Because Adam didn't rule over her in the, in the garden. When everything was perfect and there was no sickness and no disease and no fear, and no, which is hard for us to even understand that there was no fear, there was complete just awareness of God. When the devil came to her and said, oh, but you'll know something, she already knew it, but she let the devil lie to her. And that's our problem, ladies. We let the devil lie to us. We already have what we need and the devil lies to us and tell us we don't have what we need and that we're not enough. And that he doesn't love us or whatever the case may be. And there's, there's nothing in your life that can't be fixed with a greater revelation of how much God actually loves you. There's a lot of women walking around with a big empty hole because they're looking for somebody else to fill that hole. But God needs to fill that hole. And so the, the curse was that she would always be looking to her husband for affirmation. Husbands are a wife's mirror. So they, say to, they have to say to us, they need, we need them. We need to know that we're loved. We, need, we find our validation in what the men in our life think of us, whether we like it or not. We, we get our validation through how our father treated us or if he wasn't even there or the other men in our life or the boyfriends or the, or the husband. A lot of girls just run after from one bad relationship to the other because they're looking for someone to validate them because they don't believe in themselves. They have such low self-esteem and they run from relationship to relationship looking for somebody to plug that hole that's on the inside of them when they, all they need is Jesus. Amen. And so this whole conference even is about seeing you seeing yourself through God's eyes, not through man's eyes, not through anybody else's. When I got born again, that was one of the things that the Lord had me do with, after I look back and I think it's just amazing how God led me because, um, you know, I, I decided I'm not who the world says that I am because I was into like astrology, really like when's your birthday? Oh, got you all figured out. Not the horoscopy part. That's, you know, whatever. That's so stupid. But... <laughs> But it was like the, the personality types. And that just, I mean, that stuff all fascinates me. How people think, how people function, what they're about. I don't know. It intrigues me. And so, um, anyway, so I, I was, I, that was, I didn't want to let go of that stuff, right? But the Holy Ghost really dealt with me. So we, listen, we had a bonfire at our house and we got saved. We threw out every New Age book, every, every anything that wasn't a, a Jesus book was in the fire. Any music, anything, my mom got it out of the house. 
There's some things some of you need to get out of your house. Don't let it just sit there. Amen. Because there's, there's things attached to some of those things. Just get rid of it. Don't have nasty books in your house. I don't care if you read them before you were saved and their literary work. Throw them away. Burn them. In Ephesus, they didn't just give away their idols and all their witchcraft and everything to someone else to use. They burned it. It was worth a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of money, and they didn't care because they fell in love with Jesus, and they realized that those things were attached. That was demonic attachments. Don't allow demonic attachments. Don't keep stuff from old boyfriends. Throw it away. Burn it. Lose it. And for, for some of these girls, you know, they, they're hanging on to this boy until the right one comes along. The right one ain't going to come along until you send that one on his way. Amen. You've got to get rid of some of those things in your life and get rid of the old first and then make room for the new. Not just keep hanging on the old till the new comes along. It ain't going to work. Nothing's, you've got to get rid of it. You've got to draw a line in the sand. So our natural tendency is to look for validation from somewhere else, right? So for me, the astrology, some of it wasn't all good. It's like, you're never on time. No, I'm not because I get distracted because I always underestimate how long it's going to take me. No, in the natural. <laughs> Never mind. Because um, there's always something else to, like, squirrel. Anyway. <laughs> but I always think I can do more than, accomplish more than, uh, you know. So as you get older, you kind of learn how to, you know, pace yourself a little better. But anyhow, so, but I took all those things. And so I took all, the, all that stuff that to me was a negative confession. And I flipped it around to the positive, And I took, and I wrote it down and I, I spoke it out loud to myself. See, when you speak things out loud to yourself, your voice hears it, you internalize it, it becomes real to you. So whatever it is that you need a breakthrough in, take the scripture, put it on your mirror, put it by your toilet, um, and just confess that over your life every time you're in that place. And it, it'll start becoming real to you. See, everybody has a tape recorder on the inside of them that with them talking to you, all the rubbish that you've thought about yourself, that's a stronghold, right? And people have, stuff people have said over you and all these kind of things. And you need to cast that stronghold out. You need to get rid of it. And you get rid of it by renewing your mind to the Word. So the first thing, you've got to be born again. Jesus needs to be in your heart. You need to be filled with the Holy Spirit because we can't do these things in the flesh. We can't walk free in the flesh. We can, why does God give us the Holy Spirit? He gives us the Holy Spirit to serve Him, to, to be able to serve Him, to be able to to walk holy with him, amen, and say goodbye to all that, that other rubbish. Listen, when we first got saved, and it's not even like that someone was preaching it to us, but we just knew, we all just stopped drinking. And we looked back three months later and nobody was drinking. Why? Because we were full of the new wine of the Holy Ghost. Nobody preached us, thou shalt not drink. We just stopped because we didn't want to because we fell in love with Jesus. There was many things we just stopped and suddenly realized, wow, you know, and some of that, like the books, I was like, ooh, I didn't want to let go of that, but my heart was telling me I had to, and then my cousin said, you need to get rid of that, and I was so mad at her <laughs> because the Holy Ghost was saying it to me, but you don't always want to. So listen, you, you can speak the truth in love, right, to someone, and they might get mad at you, but just leave, especially your husband, because <laughs> your temptation is to, well, he's like, mm, whatever, and you like, so then you think, well, I still got to nag him worse. The Bible talks about a lot of women, silly women, foolish women. Silly woman literally, literally means little woman. Silly little woman. Lust because, and it's sin. 
you know, really, all, all these, anyways, but, and then the brawling and the contentious woman, like the dripping, 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 dripping. The best thing you can do, ladies, for your marriage is shut up. <laughs> Put a guard on your lips. The greatest need of a woman is to be loved. Greatest need is to be loved and cherished. So we need it from our husbands. That's why they need to say to us, I love you, I love you, you're beautiful, I love you, I love you, over and over. Not because we have short-term memory problems, but because <laughs> we just need to hear it every day. They need to validate us every day. Now, we, we also need to not be so needy, right? We need, like I said, only Jesus can fill that hole on the inside of you. Don't look to your husband. Some husbands are looking to their wives for certain things, and wives are looking to their husbands, and we need to look to Jesus, right? But in a marriage, it's, it's good that your husband, and if he doesn't, I'm sorry, I'll pray for you that, that he does, and maybe we can have a man's meeting and tell him how he needs to talk to his wife. But as a man, a man is a wife's mirror, right? So he reflects to us, and that, that either builds our self-esteem or it tears and drags us down. I mean, some guys are like, well, she knows I loved her, I married her. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Whatever, dude. You need to be respected and you want your wife to respect you and you don't want to show her love. You don't want to just humble yourself and open your mouth, even if that's, listen, you're amazing. My gift is not, you know, encourage, like that, that kind of, oh, you're awesome, you're wonderful. That's not my natural tendency. My natural tendency is you need to fix that. <laughs> is your, yours too? Yeah, but... Well, anyways, so I had to learn to be more verbal and encouraging because that's my husband's love language. Mine is acts of service. So I'll iron your shirts and cook your food and do everything for you. Um, but he doesn't know I'm loving him because I'm not words of affirmation and giving him hugs. Amen. So we got to learn what, what the other person needs and we need, we need to be the one, you know, we can, we can love them, you know. And then, and then, you know, my love language is take the garbage out and Babysit the, you know, take care of the kids. <laughs> Help me. Wash the dishes. That ain't ever going to happen. You know what? So, yeah, I had to like get over the fact that he wasn't going to take the trash out, right? But then I had to, I had to look on, so you know, it's like all these things that, that I didn't, was expecting, you know, because we expect because of the, what, you know, my dad paid the taxes. I thought he would, I have to do it. <laughs> I have to call the bank manager. Oh my God. Anyway, but when I looked on this hand that God gave me, this and this and this and this and this, and I don't even have fingers, and this and this and this and this, and this, all these awesome things I didn't know that I needed, that I have. That's so much. Who cares who takes the garbage? I'll take the garbage out to have all the other good stuff <laughs> that he brings to my life. Amen. Hallelujah. So, so sometimes when the Holy Ghost is dealing with you and somebody says that, it's like you don't want to hear it. You can, but you go home and go, Lord, I'm sorry, you were right. And you know what? That's the only way to have a, any successful relationship is to actually be submitted to the Word and let the Holy Spirit bring the correction to you. Because He will, right? I mean, there were, <laughs> there were times that, that I knew I was right in the argument, but my husband is very persuasive, and he would, I'd be like, I'm right, and he won the argument, it's not, <laughs> and so I would pray, Lord, because uh, I know, thank God he listens to the Holy Ghost, Lord, you speak to him, and if I'm wrong, show me, but you speak to him. So I had to learn, instead of fighting with him, or, or getting upset, or anything, because I would say something to him, and he would just like, 
come, come hard back at me because he's not, like if you, if you come to him with the word of the Lord, he'll receive it. But if you come with some opinion, well, you can take it and put it where the sun don't shine. He ain't, he's not concerned about, he doesn't care about your opinion. He wants to, if, but if you speak from the Holy Ghost, he will listen, right? And so I had to learn that. So sometimes I was right, he was wrong, he didn't see it. But so I had to learn, okay, don't get upset, don't react, don't be reactionary. Don't react, respond. Don't react, respond. And so I responded, I, and it took me a long time to learn this, I hadn't said to say, but so I would be, he would come strong on a thing because I would tell him something nicely. Some things I wouldn't even talk about, I would just pray, right? And, um, and the Lord did it, it's amazing, it's so awesome. But anyway, um, so before you talk, before you open your mouth, before you pick on your husband, the greatest need of a man is to be trusted and respected, right? And so there's so many ways we show disrespect we don't even realize. Just stop and ask for directions already. This is before Google. Anyway, and we're, we're showing disrespect because they love to figure things out. And we didn't know that. Anyway, so, <laughs> so live and learn. So anyway, so, so when we pick on them, when we nag, when we tell them that they're doing everything wrong, no, you don't do it like that. You do it like this. You're disrespecting them. Just like we need to be loved, they need to be respected. So we need to pray, Lord, show me how to honor my husband. Let, show me how to show him respect. And they will respond. They will respond when you do that. And so just like we expect unconditional love from God, we expect unconditional love from our husbands, they expect unconditional um, respect from us. And you say, well, respect must be earned. No, trust is earned. Respect you give in faith. Because you just honor him as that person in your life. Amen. And respect goes a long way. And that's why I said showing respect, shutting your mouth is a, goes a long way to show respect. Not saying what you want to say at the time. Just don't even. Just rather go pray. Give it to the Lord. And the Lord will tell you, it's okay. Just, and you'll be, okay, um, everything's fine now, right? But so, so if there were things I needed to say to him, I would just say it in love. And he would come back at me. And I would just smile at him and say, that's what it is, and leave it. And the next day, he was telling people, like, the Lord spoke to me. I'm like, <laughs> but really, I should, have been, I should have been honored because the Lord was speaking to him through me. Yeah, so I never. Because I don't think I'm perfect. But like I said to you, God's love in me is what's perfect. But perfect, perfect really means complete. It doesn't mean meeting some standard we have. And I'm a perfectionist, pedantic perfectionist, had to work on it. Anyways, so that I don't stress my own self out with it. So I'm a frustrated perfectionist. Either perfect or just whatever. He has all my piles. Don't touch them. I know what's in every pile. It looks like a mess, but I know what it is. <laughs> I, my ideal would be to have everything perfectly, perfectly aligned and organized because I can see one little thing out of place, but it's like, if it can't be, then whatever. But we can't be too hard on ourselves. Amen. We need to see ourselves through the Lord's eyes. That doesn't mean we excuse ourselves. You know, this, this, <laughs> this, we need to, first of all, we need to know who we are, but we also need to know whose we are. Amen. We belong to Jesus. Amen. We need to see ourselves through his eyes. And I, I, I got <laughs> the Lord, I, I don't know, this just dropped in me. It was, I thought it was funny. Anyways, are you the heir or are you the spare? Have you heard that term? Okay, so 
so royalty, they always have at least two, preferably sons, I guess, two kids, the heir and the spare. So the heir to the throne, and then the one that's in just standing by in case something happens to the first one. In fact, I, I think like Queen Elizabeth's grandpa or great-grandpa, one of them, was actually like number four or five in the lineup because this brother didn't die and that one died and that one died. And so it wasn't even like the, the main guy. And they, they died without kids and they were a bunch of reprobates. But anyways, so if you look at the heir and the spare, right? How many of you track the royals? We get carnal here for a minute. Nobody? Meghan Markle? Okay, anyway. So the heir, so you, ha- you have whatever, the queen and Margaret, right? Harry and William, whatever. And, but the one has been groomed to take the throne. And so in most cases, except for the, like, the dude that abdicated and his brother had to take over, which was the queen's dad. But anyway, that's, that's how she ended up being the queen. So stuff like that happens. But that's the problem. He didn't know that he was the heir. He acted like the spare. So, so we are the heir. The Bible says we are heirs of Abraham's blessings. Fellow heirs, men and women, we're all heirs of his blessings. And what was those blessings? That all the families of the earth would be blessed through him. All the nations of the earth would be blessed. We carry the blessing. We are blessed in a blessing. King David said this, said the king, Lord, you have made the king, talking about himself, blessed and a blessing forever. Say that, say, I am blessed, I am blessed. and I am a blessing. Listen, I don't care who says what to you. I don't care what your head says to you. I don't care what the devil says to you. I don't care how people treat you. Your confession is, I am blessed and I am a blessing. Amen? Amen. You write that down, stick that on your toilet wall. I am blessed and I am a blessing. And then you walk that out in your life. I am blessed and I am a blessing. And so the heir to the throne, if they're willing to take the responsibility right? They train for it their whole life. They carry themselves with dignity. They understand people are watching them and they have a role to fulfill. The spare, well, first of all, they feel like the spare because they call them the spare and that's been confessed over them. They don't have to do that, but they they have the same amount of limelight and they they, life is in, you know, under the microscope and they feel, you know, very judged and everything else. And so some of them end up all screwed up and all going crazy and nutty and doing stupid stuff. Well, you know, it's just a mentality. So are we acting like the heir or like the spare? Are we, are we going Are we going to see ourselves through God's eyes and who we are, royalty? Amen. Well, you can be a queen or you can be a princess. Yeah. Now, we've all, you know, brought up on Disney princesses and everything else. Everybody wants to be a princess. But a princess doesn't, ha- princess is just a princess. A princess is not necessarily going to end up a queen, Unless she's the heir or she marries some of the, some king or something, right? But are you, we don't want to be a princess because if you think princess, when people, when people call you princess, actually not a good thing, right? It means you're spoiled, you're, you're um, you know, you, ex- uh, what's the word? You expect everything just be handed to you. You know, you take, you just, whatever, you're just a rotten little princess. And there's a lot of, there's this push towards doing that in the culture, to, pu- to be pushing girls to that mentality. I mean, now look, you look at these, these rich kids and they get given a, a Mercedes-Benz for their 16th birthday and they throw the toys out the cot because it's the wrong color. Just step over in this room over here and let me spank you. <laughs> you little brat. Amen. <laughs> let me just throw this scripture out that I was gonna start with. But anyway, Proverbs 
In Proverbs 4, it talks about keep and guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it flow the issues of life. The most important thing you can do is keep and guard your heart. Keep and guard your heart. Protect your heart. Amen. I, I was, in getting ready, ready for my conference, I was listening to some, um, some messages by, that somebody had put into an audio book by all these ministers. It was amazing. From like the 1700s and like way back, 1700s, 1800s, and it was so powerful what they brought out because, and it's somewhere here, I wrote it down anyways, I have all these notes, yeah. So one of the things, the things that they brought out is that women are unique, uniquely created, right? So in the beginning, God created the earth. It says he made everything out of something that never existed before. There's three words for create or made in, that, in the first few uh, chapters of Genesis, and he says he made the earth out of something that never existed before. Then it says, right, it says he made man out of the dirt of the ground. It says he, he created, he made man out of something that already existed. Because nothing existed before God said, let there be light, right? So he created the whole universe, and he, so he created it out of something that never existed, created man out of something that already existed, but he made the man go to sleep, took the rib, and he built the lady. He built Eve. He fashioned her. So we are unique. We're special. There's some things God left in him that we didn't get. There are things, there's a bunch of, mostly stuff we share. And there are things that he put in us that he don't have and he needs. And that's why the Bible says to become one. We need one another. Amen. Hallelujah. You know, and I, and I said this also in my conferences too, because a lot of the, the, the young ladies thought, we don't want to go to the women's conference because they just talk about marriage and we're not married. Do you plan to be? Huh? You need to know these things now. You need to know these things before you get married so you don't have to mess up for a few years and then try and fix it. You need to know how to raise kids before you have them. From the Word of God. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. No man can replace or replicate a woman because he becomes unfruitful. There's such a push towards this, you know, you know what it is? It's a eugenicist agenda. I know, I know you all understand that, right? The abortion, the transgender thing, it's to, it's to neuter everybody. The vaccine was to make everybody infertile. What's it, 90% of babies were miscarried or stillborn? 90, 80 to 90%. Not 10% or 5% or 3%, 80 to 90 across nine months of pregnancy, they lost their babies. And a lot of them are born, are stillborn or born prematurely or born with deformities or born with, they're, they're fussy and whiny and cranky. I was just reading a thing by a, from a girl from Australia who takes photos of stillborns and photos of newborns. And she was just saying, like, in, in the whole state, she takes photos. <clears throat> she would take, like, uh, I think it was like, um, gosh, the numbers anyways, but they went from this much to this much. Just, just her photography business of stillborns and then these cranky, fussy babies born to these women who were mandated these vaccines. And we're going to see in the next, you know, five to eight years, the evidence of a lot of them are never going to be able to have kids again because they've been going around Africa sterilizing all the women with 
tetanus injections and given them beta HCG. Anything they put in the vaccination, your body, that's where peanut allergies come from, it's vaccinations. Stuff they put in the vaccinations. Anyways, so societies that degrade and debase, disrespect and demean women are doomed for failure. Amen. So I'm not, I've never been a woman's liber, but don't treat me like a little woman. Don't treat me like an idiot. Don't treat me like a mushroom. I won't explain that one. <laughs> Don't keep me in the dark and feed me manure, in other words. Okay. You didn't know that one? Okay. Well, we're sharing. The Word of God, as it is properly exercised, elevates women into their proper place in society. It doesn't turn her into a spoiled brat princess and it doesn't put her under anybody's feet, but it elevates her. We have a place that we need to take. Societies who recognize women in their unique place and value and abilities are prosperous. Amen. When you see the woman go downhill, that's when the culture goes downhill. When you see women acting like men, when you see women, because women are naturally, mod naturally modest, if, they'll have their, if, they have, if, if the society will support them, if the family will support them, um, you know, I'm thank God for my dad. He was like, thou shalt not. So I didn't. But he also taught us growing up is, if your friend jumps off the cliff, you're going to jump off the cliff. So I grew up with, you know, that he made us aware, don't be manipulated by your friends. Don't, you know. He said, if a boy wants to date you and you don't want to go out with him, date. Go on a date for coffee and food, not sleep together, right? If a boy wants to take you out and you don't want to, tell him your dad said no. Thank you, Dad. He did a lot of, he did some things wrong, but he did a lot of things, most things right. So, God wants to elevate us into our proper place, but we need to have, we need to let the Lord do that work in our heart, and that, let me, let me get to what actually I was going to talk about anyways, let me just run through this quickly and before we move on to the next thing, but if you look at all the women, let me just list these women here for you. You have the wise woman, right? The wise woman that builds, foolish woman tears her own house down with her own hands. So that means we have the power in our home, ladies. We have the power to build. We have the power to tear down. Really, it says her own hands. It means that she's responsible for it, but literally it's your own mouth. A lot of us tear down our own household, our own marriage, our children with our mouth. I thank God for my mother, which is never a gossiper, and she never beat us up. She was very strict, and she paddled our butts, and so did my dad, but my mom, she, she paddled us, and then, but she never like harped and whined and nagged us or labeled us, and I thank God for that because she did not scar me for life with that. It could have been, but <clears throat> I was not scarred because, and I had a good relationship with my mother because she never criticized, never, anybody, not me, not, not, not anybody. She was just, she's an angel, really. She's still alive. She's not an angel in heaven yet, but <laughs> she's just an awesome woman. So there's a foolish woman. There's a silly woman who is unstable and sinful and just thrown around by every wind. Of, and there's a lot of them. They run after this prophet and that prophet and this, this stupid thing and that. And it's all just out of the sin in their own life. If we'll deal with the sin in our life, we won't run after this and run after that and, run, and be manip manipulated by some unscrupulous person. Then 
there's a strange woman, an evil woman, a whorish woman, a, a, um, a brawling woman, a contentious and an angry woman, an adulterous woman, an odious woman, which means a hated woman, and then a fair woman without discretion. That's the ornament of gold in the, in the pig's snout. And you get these beautiful girls, and they're so, they let it all hang out there. And they're, they're, they, don't, they don't understand. They're, they're, they're like a, a jewel of gold in a pig's nose. They made themselves into a, anyways, like you were, you know, the, anyway, all that stuff. <clears throat> and then there's the holy woman and the virtuous woman. The virtuous woman who's priceless. She's a crown to her husband, which is a sign of God's favor Prosperity and honor. She retains honor. Amen. The Bible says he who finds a wife finds a good thing. It doesn't say he who finds a woman. Any guy can find a woman, but a wife. And you know what? Even in the unsaved world, they have this, well, now the girls are also sowing their wild oats or whatever, but in, even in the old days, the boys were excused to sow their wild oats, which was totally ungodly, Right? But the women were expected to be pure. And I don't care who you are, I don't care what year it is, it's still that way today. It's still in the mentality of people. People still have that. You look at the guys, oh, look at the hero. He's like, you know, and who, who's that guy, the singer, rapper, whatever he's got? He's on his 10th kid with how many women? I don't know what the heck he's up to. Huh? All of them. Nick Cannon, yeah. I wasn't going to, anyway. <laughs> it's like, I've got baby number, what, nine and ten? Nine on this one, ten on that one. He just had eight with this one. I don't know what he's trying to do. I don't know how he talks those women into it. They're so dumb. Raising all these kids who are not going to have a dad in their life. Ten screwed up kids. Anyways. Um, so a, a wife is a good thing. So a wife has, a wife is someone, we're not going to get into that, but in the Bible, wife there's certain requirements for being a wife. Anybody can be a woman, but to be a wife, to be someone who's that asset, to be that crown to your husband, to be, you're, you're a sign of God's favor. You know, when, God, when my husband was praying for a wife, now, listen, I look at you, I can't believe that you were trying to be in the background and didn't want to be up here because you are so bold. And you might think that about me now, but I, I was that, and, but, and I wasn't the fighter either, I, I wasn't tough in some ways, but in other ways, not really. But I, I just didn't think that much of myself when I got married. I, I got married, I was saved two years and three days, right? So we had to learn on the job. And my husband's kind of like your husband. Well, he didn't quite do that. Well, do not fear. And it's like, but that's fine for you to say. <laughs> but it's like, a, and I, I needed him to sit and teach me the word and, you know, and maybe I should have expressed that to him. Sometimes we don't tell him what we want. But okay, I need you to sit here and teach me the word because I don't know what you know and I feel like I'm lacking. But I, I always felt like he should have married some other girl, somebody that, that's, you know, um, that comes out of church and that knows what's going on. And I just got saved at 17. I've been, you know, I got married at 19. So, right, saved for two years, three days. I don't know anything. And I felt inadequate, and I didn't want to get up in front of people. So, okay, so if he called me up, I wasn't going to punch him, but I, but I would be like, no. 
like, put, put my hair down. No, don't call me up. <laughs> I, don't wanna, I did not want to speak in front of people. How does the Lord call you to speak in front of people and you don't want to? I mean, that's the grace of God on your life, right? And so the greatest change I saw, well, I got saved and I got full of the Holy Spirit. But then when I got hit by the fire of God um, and the joy, that broke something in me. And, and I, I got over myself with that. Because when I saw the people rolling on the floor with joy, I thought it was just those extroverted people. And then I realized, oh, they're not. They're introverted people just like me. Because when God would touch me, I would just weep. Tell them, tell them later. I can't take a call now. Anyway, and, um, but then I realized, you know, okay, this is a move of God. I need it. So I pressed in for six months. Lord, touch me. I said, it has to be real. I'm not just going to do this. But when I, I still didn't want to roll on the floor and make an idiot of myself. I thought I'd be so embarrassed, right? But when God, when that joy bubbled at my belly on a Tuesday night in Pennsylvania, and I found myself on my hands and knees with the t- you know, tears running, dripping off my nose, the cloths at the back and the tissues at the front, and uh, so undignified, and I didn't care. And you know, all those times... Because the Lord would touch me in worship. That's when he would touch me as a baby Christian, a young Christian. I would just be, I'd close my eyes. So if you want to receive from the Lord, learn how to give to him in worship. When you can just plug in, close your eyes and like, I would always picture myself standing in front of the throne. And I, stand, I would be in front of the throne just worshiping. And then the power of God would just, whoom, and I'd fall down in my chair. And he wrapped his arms around me. And where I thought he was a judgmental God, he just showed me unconditional love. And and at the same time, because his light shone in, I could see all the cruddy stuff that I needed to get rid of. But you know what? Because he was so gracious and so loving, it was like, oh, you want that thing? Oh, you can have this. You can have this. You can have it. Oh, yeah, sprinkling me. I don't care. I just, just stay here with your arms around me, right? And then on, on the, when I got hit with the joy, I felt like it wasn't just a cleaning out. It was, but it was also a pouring in of that oil and that wine. And I felt such liberty and freedom. And the Lord said to me, you can live like this. Because I thought you had to be like, you know, business and then pleasure. And then I was like, you can live in peace and joy and still get, you, still get work done. So I'm still very, I'm very focused. I'm like, I'm probably more goal-oriented. I'm, I'm kind of goal-oriented and people-oriented, tend to be more goal-oriented. So if, if I have something to do, it's like, don't bug me with your, I don't care how you feel. We've got to get this done. We'll cry later. We'll have the emotions later. Right now, just get the job done. Suck it up. <laughs> but you know what? That, that has carried me through all of the things, you know, that I had to walk through, and especially with Kelly and, and all those kind of things because, you know, anyways, I have so many things, I could, so many directions I could go. But the Lord, the Lord showed me. Anyway, okay, I'll, I'll, I won't do that. So these all these women... <laughs> But you want to be that virtuous woman that's a crown to your husband, the sign of God's favor, retains honor, the, you know, that brings prosperity. You bring prosperity to him, to his life. You bring blessing. Oh, yeah. So my husband was praying for a wife. The Lord spoke to him in an audible voice. And so there was times where I said to the Lord, why? Why did you give me to him? You know, I, I don't feel good enough or whatever the case may be. And uh, the Lord said to me, you were the answer to his prayer. And I was a puddle on the floor. <laughs> and I just wept at the mercy of God. Because I never felt good enough. Because I was too hard on myself. Too critical of myself. And I had to see myself through, his, through God's eyes. And thank God my husband showed me God's love through his eyes. And that went a big way to me feeling God's love. 
So God's agape love, which I never, how, how, how did I not get to that? God sees us as valuable and precious. It has nothing to do with how we see ourselves. It has nothing to do with our worth, what we're worth or what we think we're worth, but it has to do what he thinks we're worth. What he, you, know, you, know what, you, know what he, you know what he thinks of us? He sent his son to die if it was just for you. He sent his own son to die for you and for me. And when he was asking Abram to sacrifice Isaac, it's not because he wants us to kill our kids. God forbid. Like they, they did to Molech. God doesn't want that. And they're sacrificing their kids right now on the altar of Molech. Really is what they're doing. But God cut a covenant with Abraham. And when Abraham was willing to sacrifice that only son that he had, didn't count Ishmael, his only son, because he was the one of promise, the son of promise, when he was willing on our behalf, that's what happened there. Abraham was willing on our behalf to sacrifice his son. God says, stop, I'll sacrifice mine. Because when you're in a covenant with somebody, a blood covenant, what's mine is yours and what yours is mine. So if I was in a blood covenant with hope and I said to her, I want your, I don't know, your Gucci purse, you have to give it to me. And you tell me, well, I want your human bangle. I have to give it to her. I'm just being kidding. I'm just, you know, but that's, that's what, huh? You'll make that switch. (laughs) (laughs) So, that, that's how much God loves us. So that agape love, say, I am, I am valuable, and precious valuable and precious because he says I am. I said this in the beginning, there's nothing in your life that can't be fixed with the revelation in your heart, sincerely in your heart, knowing that you are valuable and precious to him. And when you know that how, how valuable and precious you are, the Bible says, it's, you know, this is here in his love. Not that we loved him, but that he loved us first. My husband, I'll say to him, I love you. He's like, you know, you, know, you have people say, I love you more, you know, whatever. And we have a competition. He's like, no, I love you more. And I don't know. Anyway, but the thing is, it's like nobody can love us like Jesus loves us. Amen. And Jesus wants us to know, I loved you first. And you just responded to me. And that is kind of the way it should be in a, in a marriage. It's like the husband is the, the aggressor, the woman is the responder. Amen. So God has created us. And that's why it's so, so much easier a lot of times for women to accept everything God does in their life than men. Because men like, you know. Picture himself the bride of Christ, anyway, because <laughs> they're all self-sufficient. But we need to find our sufficiency in His sufficiency, and not be self. Because I also had that tendency to be self-sufficient, and I had to learn to cry. I did. I had to learn when Kelly, when when we went and saw Kelly in the hospital, they took her on Thursday, they operated on her, and I only saw her on Monday morning because we had to go back, we had to change clothes, ask somebody to come and you know, take over our church for a few weeks, and we had to drive 10 hours down to Cape Town, and I walked in there, my kid is all poked, got tubes coming out of her and stuff poked in her head and everything else, and um, I, I walked in there, and I'm like, God's woman of faith and power, I can handle this, and the moment I saw her, 
I started weeping and weeping and weeping and weeping. And, and, but it was like a casting of the care weeping. Let it all out, right? Because I was always a bottler. And that's what the Lord delivered me from when he hit me with the joy. Unbottled everything. And, you know, I had a friend, she had this saying, I love till it hurts. And I couldn't understand that because I was afraid of getting hurt. So I would hold back. And she, she said, love till it hurts. And, I'm like, and that took me a while to process that. And I came out to that place where I could love till it hurts. I'd rather it hurt me than you. You know what I'm saying? I would rather, rather than me lash out at you and be angry at you and bitter at you and fight back at you. I'd rather cry, get over it, but walk in love towards you and forgive you no matter what you do. And so we just made that a policy in our life is just to forgive and release. You don't, you don't feel like, well, I'll forgive when I feel like it. You're never gonna feel like it. You have to do it by faith. Giving is by faith. Um, you know, uh, loving is by faith. Everything is faith. It takes faith. Forgiving is faith. So you forgive when you don't feel like it and then the feelings come. But you can't afford to carry bitterness because, or unforgiveness because that turns into bitterness and many are defiled by that. When people get bitter, you watch them. They walk away, they get bitter and they're angry at church and they're posting stuff on Facebook, you know, spiritual manipulation and whatever. It's like they need to get delivered. They're full of bitterness and they're contaminating everybody. People have done horrible stuff to us. They've said horrible things about us. Why do I care? Whatever. That's not my can of worms. Say that. Say, that's not my can of worms. Stop saying things personally. Let it go. Give it to the Lord. Cry and give it to Him. Amen. If your husband is a piece of work, cry, give it to the Lord. If your kid's a big mess, cry it out, cast it over on the Lord, and then pick up your head and walk out that door and speak life and speak faith. Amen. Don't just, the worst thing you do is like, and just get, I mean, it's just, it's a pit. It's a bottomless pit of something. And some people are just a bottomless pit of whatever. And they come to you, you know, it's like they're life suckers and they come to you with all their problems and you gotta, it's like, suck it up. Suck it up. <laughs> Forgive, let it go, let it drop. I love the, that, that God actually puts a physical picture for us. Let it go, let it drop. And walk away from it, don't pick it back up again. Perfect love casts out fear. Let me just read you this one scripture. 1 Corinthians 8, verse 1 to 3. Now about food offered to idols, of course we know that all of us possess knowledge concerning these matters. Yet mere knowledge causes people to be puffed up, to bear themselves loftily and be proud. But love, affection, goodwill, and benevolence edifies and builds up and encourages one to grow to his full stature. And unfortunately, that's, that's all we see in traditional church is people who have a head full of knowledge and they're pompous. And they have, God can't use them. He can't use them. So don't sit there and say, well, I can't be used because I don't know enough. I don't know as much as they do. They have degrees beyond their name. They have a bunch of head knowledge. They can't help anybody. But if anyone imagines that he has come to know and understand much of divine things without love, he doesn't yet perceive and recognize and understand as strongly and clearly, nor has he become as intimately acquainted with anything as he ought or as is necessary. So that means if we don't understand love, 
You can go to Bible school. You can have more degrees than a thermometer. You can have all this head knowledge. But if you don't walk in love, you don't know squat diddly. You are in kindergarten. God's love has to be perfected in us. As we grow in love, we grow in God. Somebody that's mature in God is not someone that knows all the Hebrew and the Greek. They might be, but that's not the requirement. Someone who is mature in God, spiritually mature, is someone who walks in love every day of their life consistently and it shines through them and that's their whole motivation and they, that is, that's who they are, is love. And that's not to say we, we don't go like, you know, God's love is unconditional. It never, never flickers, it never wavers. But we go, we might have to go, Ugh, okay, I'm gonna love you. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But as long as we, okay, I'm not gonna worry about it. I'm gonna let it drop. But I, you know, I'm gonna keep on loving you. So if, if the Bible says if we don't know love, so that's our greatest thing, pursue love, to know love, to know God's love, to know all about His love. Just to, to, and I wanted to talk more about love today, but I, I ended up, Going another direction, so I'll, I'll, I guess I'll have to come back. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Not inviting myself back. <laughs> but, but if one loves God truly with affectionate reverence, prompt obedience, grateful recognition of His blessing, He's known by God, recognized as worthy of His intimacy and love, and He is owned by Him. So knowledge is good, but mere knowledge without relationship causes people to become prideful. But love edifies, builds up, and encourages. And when we are built up in love, that's how we build our house. That's how we build, build our marriage. That's how we build our ministry. We build it with love. Love is the bricks that you build your life with. Amen. And then you will be a builder. If there's no love in your home, if there's no humility, if there's no willingness to repent, Willingness to say I'm sorry, willingness to say I'm wrong, willingness to forgive and release and let go. I don't care what your husband did to you. I don't care what your kids have done. I don't care what your sister-in-law did. I don't care what your mother-in-law did. Release it, drop it, let it go, and just love them like Jesus loves you. And you might sit here and say, I can't do that. I don't know how to do that. I they, that you don't know what they did to me. You know you need to develop yourself in love. And I have a series called The Love Walk, and I don't know if it's probably not out there, but it's probably online, and I don't even know how to get it. But, but um, it, it has set so many people free. It set me free, and I know that it'll, it'll set you free. And it's a whole series, so it'll, you know, but we're just sort of hitting the highlights here. So love edifies, builds up, and encourages. So as we allow love, and let me read this in closing, um, Corinthians 13 in the Amplified, verse four says, love endures long and is patient and kind. Love never is envious, nor boils over with jealousy, is not boastful or vainglorious, does not display itself haughtily. It's not conceited and arrogant and inflated with pride. It is not rude or unmannerly and does not act unbecomingly. Love, God's love in us, does not insist on its own rights or its own way. For it is not self-seeking. It's not touchy or fretful or resentful. It takes no account of the evil done to it. It pays no attention to a suffered wrong. It does not rejoice at injustice and unrighteousness, but rejoices when right and truth prevail. Love bears up under anything and everything that comes, is ever ready to believe the best of every person. Its hopes are fadeless under all circumstances, and it endures all things without weakening. Love never fails, never fades out, never becomes obsolete or comes to an end. So I want you to say this with me. I want you to say this. Say, because of God's love in me, I endure long. I am patient 
and kind. I'm never envious. I don't boil over with jealousy. I'm not boastful. I'm not vainglorious. I don't display myself haughtily. I'm not conceited, arrogant, or inflated with pride. I'm not rude. I'm not unmannerly. I don't act unbecomingly. Love, God's love in us, does not insist on its own rights or its own way. You can say, ouch, or oh me. <laughs> okay. For it is not self-seeking. It's not touchy or fretful or resentful. So when I see people, well, they didn't walk in love to me. Me, 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 me. You're being touchy, fretful, and resentful. That tells me right there, you're not walking in love. And it doesn't matter what anybody else does. I'm not responsible for you. I'm responsible to you. I'm responsible for me. Say that. Say, I'm responsible responsible for me me. and only me. me. I'm responsible to to everybody else, including my husband, my mother, mother. and my kids, (laughs) and everybody else. Okay. Love takes no account of the evil done to it. It pays no attention to a suffered wrong. Amen. Amen. Not your can of worms. Don't take it personally. We tend to, women take everything personally. Don't, just, don't be heartless. Love them, but don't take it personally, right? Love does not rejoice. Well, let's say, I do not rejoice at injustice and unrighteousness, but I rejoice when right and truth prevail. Love bears up, therefore I bear up under everything and anything that comes. I'm ever ready to believe the best of every person. My hopes are fadeless under all circumstances. I endure everything without weakening. Love never fails, never fades out, Never becomes obsolete. Never comes to an end. God's love in me will never fail. Amen. Hallelujah. Get the Amplified Bible, not the new one, the old one. No, we, we have the old one, but the Amplified Classic, the new one, they ruined it. Anyways... And get that scripture, write it out. Instead of love, put I. And stick that on your mirror and say that every day. I am patient. I am kind. I'm not touchy, fretful, or resentful. Amen. Amen. And you watch how everything in your life will begin to turn around and begin to change. You watch how even the way you see yourself will begin to turn around and begin to change. Amen. The Lord showed me something when I was doing women's ministry back in the day when we first started our church. And there are times when I would, when we'd pray for people and the Lord would just have me put my arm around them and just, just 
hug them or hold them or just tell them, you know, you're valuable and precious. And it, I watched that just break things off of people. The one time we were doing the I love you, the love of the Lord thing, and I, I hugged a lady, not thinking anything, just I love you, like a, my fellow Christian, love you, my sister. And I felt the anointing come out of me. The anointing, let me tell you, anointing and love are the exact same thing. Amen. The love of God, the anointing of God, that's on inside. It's the same thing. Jesus was moved with compassion. And I felt the love of God suck out of me and her, like the woman with the issue of blood. And I was like, and she was, and she started weeping. She says, thank you so much. I'm like, I didn't do anything. But I don't know why, I don't know how, but she sucked it out of me and God touched her. People just need to feel that presence. When we're laying hands on people, it's not a ritual. There's a transference. Amen. But how many of you ever plugged something in and nothing happened? Maybe, you know, in Africa, we've got 220 volts. So here you just have the plug in the wall. There we have switches on and off in Australia as well. You have a switch, so you switch it off, plug in, then you switch it on. You don't dare stick your finger in there because the little tiny fingers can fit. <laughs> Zing. Anyway, so <clears throat> there's a light switch. So if, you're, if that outlet's not working, like here, I guess on some of the bathroom plugs or whatever, you have that little thing that pops out, right? Yeah, and, and then it's, you, know, you plug in and nothing's happening. So you, there needs to be like a flow out and a flow in. So we can lay hands on you, but you need to receive. Amen. So we did pray for, who got prayed for last night? Okay, maybe we can just do that. Let's just pray in tongues for a second. Tamrevo coloma drame sinjo grobo droba sembreme membro salava te kusha la mampro savesto shimbre mrobro brobro kosingalavan sengo shimbra baba brobo korobobo shondri masavro momongo shimrebo nemfro bidrebo salababo kloboko shenze vero tabarama bamboko shenzi vori. Ramo hombro bobroto brive shubra bama mampo agyeseno brita braba bambro sogro. Lenneve mrobo boko sin shevro dribabasano. Lenzo koshive sembre brebre bobara pakasam. Lefro bribaba kasash horde beribeson di ramoromoso dribabas. Linglo boko shi zevo brokono mampo bros. Mento globo koshi kasababra brabakoli mene mongo suja bravamro sobreba. Linso vo broko robahla manamako shetsi grahantar. O yavarimo sora harbetendro boso ritabros. Nembo robo robo si chetlendrikas kas. Tas borkos kos gedebre vibora kat sin jodrosova. Ombri beturi ve shimbla babambro boboko shemros. Ove me 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 bloro bobo kruva babra sava maman kwasas. O riva babra hana mamambo koshevro bro bro boko sense. Ovri maman bambro robro sigrevo shimla na mampo abra sendro boko si zevroro. Linze volobosh tenso famos. Father, I ask you to touch every lady right now that's in this place and even watching. Thank you, Father. Touch their heart. Lord, you know what they need. Father, as they cast these things over to you, as they open their heart to you, I thank you that you come in and you touch them. I thank you that you come into every hurting place in their life and you fill them with that oil, that oil that soothes and smooths and heals. 
every rough place, every hurt, every pain that they've faced in their life, that they've carried in their heart. Lord, I thank you, you smooth it out right now. You heal the brokenhearted. If that's you in this place and you've been brokenhearted in any area and you need the Lord to touch you and you believe God will touch you today, I want you to stand up and I want you to come here. We're going to lay hands on you. Come and line up right here. Come in faith. Say, Lord, touch me. Just make one straight line here. The Lord is already touching people. You can step forward a teeny bit. End of Father, you know what each and every lady needs. And I thank you, Lord, that you are more than enough to fill up every empty space, to deliver them, to set them free. Lord, we break off right now anything from the past. Let's have some ladies lining them up and let's have some guys come get ready to, to, to help me here. Devil, you will not have them. You will not have their life. You will not have their marriage. You will not have their, their ministry. You will not have their family. As you're standing here right now, just you just say to the Lord, say, Lord, I, I let it go. I forgive. I drop it. I put it in your hands. Lord, you know, you know my heart. And Lord, I just in faith, I just hand this burden over to You. Lord, take my heavy burden. I've been carrying it too long. Deliver me, set me free. Wash me clean. Lord, I, I repent for any unforgiveness. I repent for a bad attitude. I repent for being angry. I repent for being bitter. I repent for every idle word I spoke, every unprofitable word. I repent for speaking the devil's plan over my life. Lord, from this day, I will speak your plan over my life. I will speak your word over my life. I will renew my mind to your word, Lord. And I thank you that you do a work in me and thank you that you set me free from the top of my head to the soles of my feet. Lord, I don't wanna walk out of this place the same way I came. If that's your prayer, today. Lift up your hands, put your eyes on Jesus. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Jesus. Jesus. Free in the name of Jesus. Free. Free in Jesus' name. From the, yes. Free, 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 free. Take it. Never the same. Ophila, never the same in Jesus' name. Never the same. Yes, it's broken off of you in the name of Jesus, devil, you liar. 
Oprimasas. Thank you. You love her. She is valuable and precious. She is valuable and precious. You love her, Jesus. Just let that go from the top of your head to the soles of your feet. Lord, go where the knife of man cannot go and do a work. Do a work. Do a work in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. You don't take it with your head. You take it with your heart. Turn your head off. Turn your heart on. Open your heart and let the Lord touch you. Brapikos, yes, in Jesus' name. It's broken off of your life. It is broken in the name of Jesus. Devil, you take your hand off of her. Naspalo puta la yada tambonka la sabara beton celebedora. Lehovani shudat. Hamasoke me pezza. Bampros. Limbra baba brupa papa prasa pazzo kilente. Paso kutsavatsin. Sure, yes, 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 it's done. Yes, it's done, my sister. Never the same. Into vala hasponika nemsop lafo bibroko ribom framam paste bushin lidu su chu chun tarababa kose leforoboko namasamba bahashalamankwa says. I'm gonna go that way first and I'll, I'll come back this side. Neko baba si cheng remo dobra tari bestes luvra braba baba braba baba baba rabo sengolopo popi shente below la kamahasen. So si avradias. Tempete ya olikana mushere berotsit herohon falahanku aya anamosa ya it's done it's done it's done from this day it's a new day oh it's a new day yes it's a new day oh I break that off for you you devil you foul stinking devil you've lied to her long enough free in the name of Jesus free popoposilas just take it he loves you he loves you you're so valuable and precious to him oh vidabas you're so valuable he loves you he loves you he loves you. Jesus, from the top of her head to the soles of her feet. Go with a knife, a man cannot go. Um, papa, brahasos. Just take it, sister. Just take it, just take it. Damro, bro. Su, feri, bi, papati. Su, hadaba, sam. Su, hababa, sokos. Ho, pada. Ho, fila, bhatu. Eh, ya, 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 subi. Yes, yes, it's done in Jesus' name. It's done. It is done. Thank you, Father, for joy unspeakable. Rupita bababaso supra datiras. Hura joy unspeakable. Yensu vibre bro 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 kusa varapo. Tete buhon. Oyala. Nampa timbo ofre ya. 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 It's done in Jesus' name. Oh, it went right into you. Body passages. Drink, 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 drink. Drink. Oh, Pahodia Baba Sancho, Griva Sambro. Yeah, 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 yeah. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Borita, Masanda, Masuza, Sambasa, Nomeno, Nineno, Nananda de Lur, Nene Marabatura, Dabarabaki, Setereho, Kanako, Shimbresu, Nembo, Bobri, Brebe, Bebe, Bosabra, Bababara, Dabababra, Brababa, Pastor Cheryl. Chingla baba boko shin shengri batambaba nemdo pika sababa harbati korovoshin sababa braboko sicha lepo do boko sin tibra bra bra braboko siche gre you if you can keep your hand on her nemna mamanko siche bre 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 be chapi vele pose yeah yes 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 in Jesus name never the same step forward a little bit for me here there's a pole behind you chu bre bre bo la fancy mushi yes opati. Lespahan, Ori Nante Lebrem, Bobrat Velespericuta, Naspirimenko Shinlero, Ne, Ne, Dru, Havan, Donka, Masubaria, broken in Jesus' name. Yep, yes, take it by faith, take it. Oh, love, it's done in Obuka, I don't care what it looks like, by Shinne, it's done in Jesus' name. Nentula, Mastemro, Le Furpra, Tambam, Bamba, 
My river pastor goes, you, you can follow me behind and keep laying hands on people with me. Nemro bribra braba koshin se bombroto, lebo bosonching lada baraba, like we do at the ordination service. Shubaba hante melamonko si rababa brasebro, ninso baba kamba, lutsa mamancho, letso gishanshan. Only to who the Holy Spirit leads you to. Thampte vibro broko sinchensa, nampa papa titole, non papa hana, oh yeah. Now, so we break it off of you, break it off of you in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Bon prebrosa blamamando, linzo varapan samba probroco seeds, lofiriba, lofiribem bombroso roboco, linda mamam horo, lingrabas, chotsi losi vamra bababa. Guys, don't walk away from me. Lendo momombrira baba, sindo lo porti, lampocro basindre. Le nombro boco si je gloro bosa chansamra babajo si da baramambo broso nindo boco thank you jesus thank you jesus thank you jesus yeah 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 take it don't don't walk don't walk out of it just take it jesus name jesus name jesus name jesus name jesus si panamacos jumbra bra bra bababas lo firapa sendro boco si Lendo brobro kori bara bara baba 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 in Jesus name. Oh, blana mampo broso broko broko brosi. Take it, lady. Take it, take it, take it, sister. No fear. Shimbero mosi bambras. Shofri bara baba brasa. Lofina mambro. Yeah, there it is. You are loved. You are precious. You are valuable. You have worth. He has called you. His hand is upon you. He has anointed you. Tibabrasa. Oh, yeah. You will fulfill everything he's called you to do. You will fulfill everything, everything, everything he's called you to do. Just receive it right now. Don't think about it, just let him do it. Jesus, never the same. Just receive when hands are laid on you right now. Receive in Jesus' name. Double Husano Mamanta, receive in Jesus' name. Lord, bless her, heal her supernaturally in Jesus name thank you father Jesus oh yeah oh yeah Leno <laughs> yeah it's broken from this day on you are valuable you are precious he loves you he loves you this thing's broken for you broken it doesn't have to define who you are the past the past it's a new day it's a new day it's a new day father I thank you the work you've begun in her I thank you you will complete it Thank you, Father. Thank you that you will use it for your purposes. She will not be stuck, but she will break out and she will come forth. And she will minister to many, many people in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. You go with the knife of man. Cannot go. In Jesus' <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Oh, Jesus. 
Jesus. Jesus, right now. <laughs> Father, you love them so much. Bring, bring all those ladies here and fill in the empty spaces. Okay, this is good. Start here. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Just let him touch you. Oh yeah, Jesus, Jesus. Let him. You want him to heal you? Want him to heal you? In, in the name of Jesus. Adalas, Arali, Arali. Shevo bra 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 ba kushem bre bebo bra ba 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 bra bas shovre bre bre bre.
Thank you, Jesus. So, in this... <laughs> For those of you who are still sober... We're going we're to give you an opportunity to sow. So I'll just read you a quick scripture. Second Corinthians 9 and verse 6 says, Remember this, he who sows sparingly and grudgingly will also reap sparingly and grudgingly. And he who sows generously that blessings may come to someone will also reap generously and with blessings. Let each one give. Hey, keep letting the Lord touch you there on the floor. You don't have to stop on my account. I can preach through everything. <laughs> Let each one give as he has made up his own mind and purpose in his own heart, not reluctantly or sorrowfully or under compulsion. For God loves, takes pleasure in prizes above all things and is unwilling to abandon or do without a cheerful, joyous, prompt to do it giver whose heart is in His giving. And God is able to make all grace, every favour and earthly blessing come to you in abundance that you may always and under all circumstances and whatever the need, be self-sufficient, possessing enough to require no aid or support and furnished in abundance for every good work and charitable donation. As it is written, He the benevolent person Scatters abroad, gifts to the poor, his deeds of justice, kindness, goodness, and benevolence go on and endure forever. And God who provides seed for the sower and bread for eating will also provide and multiply your resources for sowing and increase the fruits of your righteousness, which manifests itself in active goodness, kindness, and charity. Thus you'll be enriched in all things and in every way so you can be generous and your generosity as it is administered by us will bring forth, bring forth thanksgiving to God. You know, I mentioned that scripture, I'm blessed and a blessing. God wants to make you a, a blessing, amen, but you can't be a blessing unless you're blessed. And that's something that you have to unlock on your life. God says, I put, I'm set before you what, life and death, blessings and cursings. So the Bible says when, when people don't give and don't tithe and don't honor the Lord, what do they do? They bring a curse on themselves. In, in Malachi, it says you are cursed with a curse because you don't give. So that doesn't mean God goes, I curse you. No, but you put yourself, that means you put yourself under the devil's jurisdiction. So you can put, you know, what, what, did, what did Jesus say to people? You have your father, the devil, right? That's the default because of sin. But we don't, we, 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 left, we left that father behind. We have a new father and his name's God, amen? So we, we don't belong to that cursed crowd. We belong to the blessed crowd. But the way we, we unleash the blessing on our life is through obedience to His Word. And His Word says give because you have to be a doer of the Word. It's not good enough to be a hearer of the Word. It doesn't profit you because when the storms come, what happens? Your house goes, bye-bye, there goes your house. We live in Florida, right? So we know all about bye-bye to your house or at least hopefully not our house, somebody else's. Well, we don't wish that on anybody, but but we, we hope that our house doesn't get wiped away like that. But that's what happens to people when, to their life, if your life was a house, when we disobey God's Word and we don't do it, we've got to be a doer of the Word. And so he's talking about here, listen, I don't want anything in the natural to be your dependence. I want all your dependence to be on me. And I need you to release it through giving. That's how we release God's blessings on our life, through right, righteousness, obe obedience, and 
giving. And so it's, and I love that he talks about being self-sufficient. When you give, amen, I mean, our goal should be to live off our giving, not live off your salary. If you're living off your salary, you're trusting the arm of the flesh. And the Bible says, whoever, whoever trusts the arm of the flesh is cursed. You, when you trust the arm of the flesh, you put yourself under the curse. When you're relying on your abilities, when you're relying on, relying on your paycheck, when you're relying on something someone else is going to do for you, you, you bring, you're living under the curse. That's not the blessing. The blessing is being completely reliant on the Lord to provide for you. And the way you activate in, that, in your life is by your giving. And it says right here that you, the measure you give is the measure that you get back. So you set the level of your prosperity in that sense. Amen? You, you decide how prosperous you're going to be, and you decide by your giving. Amen? You can say amen or oh me. So how blessed do you want to be? If you want to be, say this, I want to be very blessed. I'm sure nobody doesn't, wants to only be a little bit blessed or not blessed at all, right? We, we want to be, I want to be very blessed. I want to I be able to, to bless others. I want to be able to help others. I want to be able to, I, I can remember being like, Lord, if, if I just had the money, I could do this. Well, guess what? Sometimes people get the money and they still don't do it because they trust in that money and they, they hang on to everything they have. But the Lord wants us to let go of it because that's an act of faith. And that act of faith in letting go of that money that you need or that you're trusting in, or whatever the case may be, amen, you, that, it's a releasing of the faith and God honors faith. And he always comes through in a big, 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 big way. You know, the one thing I was supposed to share earlier, went, I, well, anyways, I didn't end up, but just the woman with the alabaster box, right? You know what happened with her? She came with that alabaster box. She was a wicked sinner woman in everybody else's eyes. And she came and brought that offering to Jesus because she knew she needed what he had. And she left forgiven. So that, that an entire year's worth of wages was nothing her compared to being able to, what she did was she saw herself through Jesus' eyes. Amen. We need to see ourselves through Jesus' eyes. God wants us to see ourselves through His eyes. And when she brought that alabaster box, she poured it out to Jesus and He said to her, you're forgiven. You're washed clean. That was worth more to her than anything else. We need to fall so in love with Jesus and be so thankful for everything He's done in our life He's everything, we're nothing. We're so grateful for everything that He's done. Gratefulness goes a long way. That's what, this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice in it. It's an attitude of gratefulness. And when we have that and it, it, it comes out in everything in our life, then we begin to see the hand of God and the blessing of God being poured out in our life. So whatever we do today, do it generously and that, so that blessings may come back to you on every wave, as Ecclesiastes says. Amen. We don't regard the wind and the waves. We just keep sowing. We just keep giving. We just keep being a blessing in every way that we can be a blessing. We should wake up in the morning and say, Lord, show me how to be a blessing to somebody today. How can I bless somebody today? Amen. And, and just be a blessing and just watch. When you focus on blessing everybody else and when you focus on souls, when you focus on blessing the kingdom of God, somehow God takes care of you without stress, without strife. My favorite scripture is the blessing of the Lord makes one rich and adds no, no sorrow with it. And that word means toil and strife and stress. So God's blessing doesn't come with striving and stressing and anything you can do in the natural, but it comes by obedience and faith. Everything God has for you, you receive by faith and your obedience is activated when you 
give and you sow and you bless. And there's many ways to be to give and be a blessing. And one of those is, is, is financially and materially. There's many other ways you can be a blessing. But our job is to be a blessing to everybody as much as we can in every way that we can. And God will take care of us. He will take care of our family. He will take care of, he'll give you even, he says, the desires, the very desires of your heart. Isn't that an awesome promise? Amen. Hallelujah.